3: Hello everybody, it's just after 8 o'clock in the evening. I'm John Hindorff and we're live for another edition of Midweek Motorsport. Hope you're feeling good tonight. It's that time, isn't it, of the winter where things are just starting to, to get you down a little bit. There's not that much motorsport left in the year. Still a bit, so don't despair just yet. But next year is only round the corner now, barely... Well, five, six weeks away, isn't it? And we crack off straight away in the early part of the year. Uh, um, very dark, a bit chilly and windy in the uh, central part of the UK at the moment. Series 12, episode 44, I think. Uh, Tim Gray is up in London and will confirm that it is 12.44. This evening, is that right Tim?
4: It's 12.44 this evening John Excellent, very good, very good And on a packed programme tonight we have what? We have all the usual features Excellent. but we extra packed Because we have some special seasonal features Or a oh. special seasonal feature Yes uh, As Eve Hewitt will be here uh, With some Christmas present ideas Is it Christmas Eve Eve? It's Christmas Eve Eve
3: <laughs> Oh I love this time of the year Because I can do that joke so much Is it Christmas Eve Eve, Eve Just so funny Good, excellent, very Uh, good. We
4: also have two special guests. Really? Yes. uh, Who will be joining us in the second hour of the show. They are Johan Christofferson. Right. The newly crowned FIA World Rallycross Champion. Right. And Dan Rook, who was the runner-up in the RX2 uh, International Championship, powered by Cooper Tyres. Excellent. So both of them coming up in the second hour of the show. Good. I shall uh, do some swatting up right we'll now. We'll also then. have some uh, news and uh, other usual features.
5: Okay.
3: Um, listening live tonight, Nikki Swan in uh, a rainy Scotland, soon to become a snowy Scotland, I think, Nikki tonight. So uh, I hope you've got your winter tyres uh, ready. Uh, hello to uh, the rest of the gang. Uh, I-, I know that Paul Dunk isn't... Uh, online tonight listening to us because he's got his dad's birthday Uh, hello to Jonathan Mayne no apologies, listening live tonight very excited that the new Aston Martin racing car, the uh, GT Vantage has modelled itself on his new phone case, which is nice sort of a lime and black version good stuff Uh, Chris Humphreys listening tonight as well Uh, I've got to say hello to Thomas Bournem I've just retweeted about half an hour ago a very important uh, just-giving link from Thomas Borman. He was uh, one of the guys who was brilliantly working on my GTA Aston Martin a quarter a couple of weeks ago. Um, if you follow Spot, you'd expect your Spectatainment, you'll have seen that. Please go and have a look. It's a very good cause I- indeed. Uh, Sarah Rigby's tuning in tonight. Uh, quite a bit going on in the world of Aston Martin this week that Sarah was keeping up with yesterday. And thank you, by the way, to uh, Andy Palmer, to Dave... Adams and the rest of Aston Martin for giving us the access that we required to put all the shows together yesterday, uh, including the first looks at the new road car, the new race car, the first interview with Alex Lynn, the new Aston Martin racing driver, uh, all done in cooperation with Aston Martin. No embargoes broken. Uh, Thank you guys very much indeed for your trust uh, and for allowing us to get your story uh, to the world right turn lovers in tonight as ever Simon Hough is also in uh, he's caught up from all of the races from the last two weekends back from something called a hol holly day I think that I'm not sure how you say that
4: you used to have them in the 90s John oh did I mm.
3: okay uh, I, I, I'm sorry. Joe, Joe
4: Bradley showed me a photo so it must be true
3: okay, <laughs> okay. that seems uh, reasonable uh, and Uh, hello to Jeff Easterling to Senga Vishart uh, to Owen Trinkler yes that Owen Trinkler all listening in tonight Uh, tuning in again says James Counter watching uh, the Macau races also looking forward to hear about the new Aston Martin Uh, all on the website by the way for download our special programmes from yesterday Alex Orkin Alexander Orkin listening in uh, with a spag ball this evening I find listening in with a computer is actually probably slightly better uh, Andy Blackmore listening in tonight hello Alex sorry couldn't resist that one uh, Alex B- uh, Andy Blackmore listening in tonight working on 2018 liveries and already working on the spotter guides for next year as well
4: it's not that far till Daytona I
3: know absolutely uh, Michael Rennick. 8 weeks uh, Michael Rennick is catching a flight from Punta Cana to uh, from, from Punta Cana in the Dominican Republic back to Atlanta. Hello, Michael. Uh, he's hoping that the in-flight Wi-Fi will allow him to listen tonight, as Emma Crawley is doing, uh, get, getting ready for her trip to the metropolis that is Thrapston this weekend. Emma Crawley, you're coming to Thrapston, presumably for the switch-on of the Christmas lights in the town. I can only imagine. Uh, rotation, uh, saying, uh, spoilers for anyone that missed Macau, there were lots of crashes, some red flags, and Rob Hope won a turning car. Right. Stop preempting uh, the news, listeners. Yeah, I know. Sorry. Uh, hello, the negative camber, uh, and to Gremlin and to Atkins Consulting and Danielle and Dave Baker and so many other people. Let's get straight into the news. Shuffle your papers and play that jingle, Tim.
4: Wasn't there someone else you were going to congratulate before we went into the news?
3: Uh, there was someone else I was going to congratulate. Congratulations to Sam Bird. Holly, she said yes at the weekend. At the end of the WEC race, Sam Bird, who took the chequered flag in the Ferrari, uh, I wonder if Holly had an inkling because she was allowed into Park Fermi and was standing there. He got down on one knee and proposed, and Holly said yes. Mr Bird, you have got the upgrade. Holly, good luck. No, actually, he's a good lad. Um, It was very, very touching indeed. End of the season. Uh, well done to both of you. Let us know when the wedding is going to be. And uh, we, we could do a commentary. We could do a commentary as you're
5: coming down the line.
3: It's a possibility. Just see. Uh, good luck to the pair of them. Sam and Holly. Uh, a fabulous couple. Couldn't happen to a nicer pair. It was a smashing thing at the weekend. Uh, now you can shuffle your papers and play the jingle.
4: Emma Crawley says she is coming to see the Christmas lights being switched on. Which yep. celebrity is it that?
3: Uh... I, I, I honestly don't think we have celebrity in Thrapston for, for a switch He Used switch to have on.
4: Matt Griffin. He's gone now, isn't he? Uh,
3: he? He still. I still like to think of him as Thrapston's fastest Ferrari driver. Alex Brown says he's listening live tonight. Hope tonight sure lives up to the last third of last week's. Um, I, I have to say that I didn't want to interrupt that because Good. it sounded. It sounded very important. I have no clue what it is though.
4: You must remember this music because we've, uh, we've talked about uh, this story eight years ago using oh, this yes. music. Oh,
3: yes. Of course. Of course. I'll I, I remember everything that happened eight years ago on a Wednesday.
4: Excellent. Uh, you'll know that uh, King Arthur by Rick Wakeman <laughs> All right, uh, yes. was used by it the is. BBC as their general election theme in the 70s uh, right up until 1983.
3: Yes, and it, on the swingometer. if this was a general election, which it isn't, but if it was, all that sort of stuff, yes.
4: And this is where we need Declan Brennan to tell us about Arthur Negus holding Bristol's. Ah, uh, it's not really still just a piece of gossip.
3: Uh, Quoting Monty Python doesn't make you funny.
4: Sometimes it does.
6: <laughs>
4: uh,
6: Who's having an election? But there's not going to be though?
4: an election. Oh, is there not? No.
3: Rotation spotted that was King Arthur straight away. Uh, there's not going to be election for what? Uh,
4: for president of the Fédération Internationale de l'Automobile. Oh, really? No. Why not? Uh, because only one candidate has uh, entered.
3: When was the closing date? I didn't say that. Nobody faxed me. Uh,
4: the closing date was November the 17th. Oh, uh, the opening that, date was uh, five weeks before that.
3: Right. And who? And, and, and who's put in for it, then?
4: Uh, a 71-year-old Frenchman, Jean Tote.
3: Oh, dear. I I literally have nothing to say about that. That was why the silence. Um, uh, uh, Mr. Todd, as an individual, is uh, President Todd. Let's let's respect the position. Uh, is uh, as an individual is not a bad bloke. I've interviewed him a few times. I quite like his passion. He was he was a very good co-driver. He hasn't really achieved much as FIA president, has he? Let's be honest.
4: Well, in this third term, I'm sure that will change.
3: Well, he's still positioning himself for that Nobel Prize for his FIA um, World's um, Road Safety campaign, isn't he? Yes. I can't help still thinking about how much different it might have been if Harry Vatanen had got the job two terms ago. Uh,
4: possibly. Uh, but no one's standing against uh, Jean Tote this time. Uh, but, of course, the FIA has other uh Uh, Elected officials uh, Whose terms are ending shortly Right Uh, And all six of them will be standing once again unopposed Really? Yes Mm. So the uh, Nothing like
3: democracy in action is it? these thousand
4: or so delegates uh, Who uh, vote uh, In FIA elections Are clearly happy with the the people uh, At the top of the FIA at the moment
3: Um Um, and who are the six who are standing on a pause? Do you have the, the names there?
4: I did, but I don't anymore.
3: Uh, and how many of them are French? Uh, very few. Excellent. I think
4: Jean Tote is the only Frenchman.
3: Uh, good. Does that include people like Salinzie Owen Jones, who's head of the FIA no. Endurance Committee and things like that? No.
4: No. Uh, so what
3: are the positions, at least? Oh,
4: uh, they're sort of head of caravans and things like that.
0: <laughs> head of caravans?
4: <laughs> they're, they're mainly involved in the road part of the FIA, ah. rather than the racing part of the FIA.
3: Yes, I'm head of Cat's Eyes and White Lines. Uh, I'm the president of that. That's, uh, that's what I do, and I'm standing unopposed.
4: It's, it's, uh, it's part of the focus on road safety. The uh, people like Lindsay Owen-Jones and uh, Alan Gow... Uh, who's president of the touring car commission? Uh, don't get elected; they get appointed.
3: Appointed. Ah. Okay.
4: Excellent. Uh, so now I'll play this one. Okay.
2: All the latest motorsport news from around the world. Midweek motorsport.
3: I feel I've been cheated, Tim. Actually, because I've always wanted to do, I've always wanted to do an election night special, and it would have been very good for us to have done the election coverage on an FIA presidential election.
4: I have done an election night uh, programme I, in, I uh, have. 1997.
3: I have but from behind the cameras not in front when I was working for um, Reuters and Globecast.
4: I was very much behind the uh, in fact I've done several elections since then uh, but uh, only one on radio.
3: I, I really wanted to I would really like to present an election broadcast where we could talk about the swingometer and um Voting turnout and all that kind of malarkey um, for the FIA. That would have been. I, I feel I've been robbed. How long? Ha, just before we move into the new, how long is uh, Jean Todt um, standing for? And, and, by, and is, is there a is there an upper limit on how many terms he can stand? Yes,
4: by three is the maximum limit. Oh, okay. uh, that, well, that, that, was that was a rule that was imposed uh, after Max Mosley stood unopposed for his fourth term. Right.
3: Uh, okay, so we have to have somebody new. Uh, in how many years now?
4: 2021. Well, start of 2022, really.
3: Okay, fine. Uh, start, start putting your uh, start putting your campaign together now, listener. I think we should. I think we should have a listeners' cooperative to run, to run it. Quite I mean,
5: great,
3: mm. Uh I do. Yeah.
4: Uh, most Moving of on. our news this week is about endings.
3: Endings.
4: Yes, there were a lot of endings uh, okay. over the weekend.
3: Drawing things together.
4: Uh, uh, and we're going to start with some Floridian endings. Okay. Uh, and we're joined by our Floridian ending correspondent Shay Adam. Good evening, Shay.
3: Hello, Shay. Oh, hang on. It would help if I actually pushed the right uh, <laughs> the right blue feeder up at this end. Hello, Shay.
7: Hello, John.
3: Oh, you see, it works. It does work. That's all (laughs) all good news. Uh, You were at the end of something at the weekend, weren't you? A Floridian ending.
7: I was. I was at the uh, end of uh, Pit Lane at one point, standing in turn (laughs) four of uh, the Homestead Miami Speedway, which is where they had cordoned off uh, both uh, Kenseth and some guy named Earnhardt Jr.'s car. Um, They had their own special corral as they were celebrating both the end of the road for those two drivers.
4: Uh, Now, Sunday evening, uh, I didn't... uh, Well, I was in the pub with uh, Johnny Palmer, basically. (laughs) Uh,
3: Now we hear the truth. Now we hear the truth. The (laughs) lies of
4: the rich and famous. We did get uh, back in time to watch the end, the last 20 laps of uh, the NASCAR uh, race, and that was very exciting. Although I suspect that the previous however many laps there had been uh, may have been more of a way of just setting it up so that it was exciting
7: honestly tim it was difficult to follow the race from the pit lane of the track the uh, pa was turned right down and it wasn't the mrn broadcast it was actually local pa so i kind of only knew what was going on from Glances of the cars as they went by through the all the different pit boxes, but the excitement level definitely built through about the last 50 or so laps. People started to really get that sense of excitement, and judging by the crowd, there was a bigger crowd there than I expected to be. Still, quite a few empty seats, but it it was a packed homestead. Um, they started getting on their feet a lot more in the last 50 laps. So every pass and especially passes through the lap traffic, had people really excited about what was going to happen. Uh, It was Kyle Busch, uh, Kevin Harvick, and Martin Truex Jr. who were fighting off Brad Keselowski. He was sort of a little bit further back in the running than a lot of people thought he would be, but the three drivers that I mentioned first were really the guys battling it out hand and fist, going for this championship at the end of the day it was the guy whose year it's really been martin truex jr winning the race winning the championship that was his eighth win of the year and everybody in the speedway just felt happy for him he's such a nice guy that everyone was sort of relieved um speaking of relief dale jr was relieved just to make it to the end of the race that's what he had been saying was his goal all day he just wanted to get to the checkered flag and sure enough he did he pulled into the pit lane and his crew members met him with a cooler of beer he cracked open a can and everybody had a nice toast it was a perfect send-off for him
4: are you someone who would describe yourself a fan of dale jr
7: very much so uh he's the type of person that just seems so down to earth so humble it was really a. Uh, an emotional experience to get to stand a few feet away from him, just to even be one of the flurry of people trying to take a picture. You really got a feeling that he was just grateful to be there. And that's the sort of refreshing attitude that we need in every paddock. Uh, we have that a lot in IMSA, which is really a wonderful thing. I really hope that Dale jr. Comes over to one of our races at some point in time, because he's just such a force I really, it was a really cool experience to be there for for his final NASCAR race.
3: Personality stands for a lot, doesn't it? Um, it he's not afraid to comment on things outside of of the paddock, uh, things outside of his of his core base as well that might not be popular with his with his core base. I'll, I'll say no more than that. Um, I was fortunate enough to meet his father a couple of times, uh, interviewed him. Uh, at a couple of uh, of end-of-season awards uh, events in London, and then met him again in the pit lane. Oh, now, let me try and think which year it would have been. 1997 at Daytona, when the the Pepsi 400 had been delayed because of the forest fires and pushed back to later in the year. I stayed on after Atlanta for the first... um, that would have been 98, that, wouldn't it? Because the first uh, season of ELMS was 99. So that was 98. So I stayed on and went down there and uh, went to see the, the rescheduled. And what was standing on the inside of the pit wall and Dale Senior came up and said, I met you before. You're from England. And I'm like, <laughs> how does he do that? He'd met me all of twice or three times before. And, you know, extraordinary. And I, 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 I've met Dale Junior a couple of times, obviously, um, we had him in the American Le Mans series uh, very nearly had a, 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 a very bad accident. He had a, quite a bad accident. It was almost much worse at Sonoma, wasn't it, a few years ago? Um, yeah,
7: configuration um, and everything.
3: Yes, absolutely. Um, I, those type of characters for me, the personalities, the, the special people... Oh, and there might not always be perfect cheer, but I actually want those type of people in my motor racing, whatever my type of motor racing might be this weekend.
7: Completely agree. He is a personality that you can't help but cheer for just because every time he wins a race, it's we did it. And every time he mm. screws up, it's I did it. He's the kind of mm. person that you want to build a race car for because you know that he's going to appreciate it and have fun. And people are going to cheer for him because he's the kind of guy that you feel, yeah, you can go get beer with him he's he's just down to earth and normal he's not in a different league even though he very clearly is um it was very very fun to be there especially with a couple of friends who were very much more invested in his career than i am to see it through their eyes the emotion that they felt looking at this as his final race and before the race began he was the last one to roll off pit lane he hit every single crew member's hand and i don't just mean his own (laughs) Every single crew member from every team, he clapped their hand before the race and then did a lap behind a giant truck towing a thank you, Dale flag. And the whole place just roared. It was wonderful.
3: Um, Who Nobody can replace that name. Nobody can replace that dynasty. But who is the natural successor then? Is there a natural natural successor (laughs) to Dale Earnhardt Jr.?
7: No, there's not. Um, But the interesting thing is there's a lot of newbies coming up through the ranks. Uh, William Byron, who won the Xfinity Championship over the weekend. I met him, actually, while standing next to Dale Jr.'s car. He's very likable as well. He'll be driving the 24, and I think he's going to be a very big star. He was very humble as well. Um, he wasn't wearing any sort of Xfinity. Like, hey, look at me! I won the championship mm. yesterday. Pay attention to me. He was wearing Hendricks shirt, Hendricks hat. Very low key very impressed uh, with what he brought to the table. But it's a very weird time right now in NASCAR because, of course, we had the big announcement from Danica Patrick that this was going to be the end of her full-time season. It was Matt Kenseth's end. Casey Kane has been dropped by Hendricks. So is he going to find a ride again for next year? We have a lot of people being sort of, I don't want to say forced out, but that's sort of the feeling. A lot of people leaving their rides and these young kids coming up through. It's a very interesting time
3: um uh, that, that's a that's a that's a good point that you've mentioned there um about those names um uh, before we go and i think tim has a couple of extra questions to come on some of those names you've already mentioned uh, i understand that there's particular health reasons that dale jr is retiring
7: but is it the right time for him yes absolutely he uh, is expecting a baby girl in may he wants. Well, I presume to... he isn't. Well, Amy is. Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. Fair, good point. Um, but he's, uh, he's starting a family. He's moving on to the next chapter. Yes, he'll be doing booth work, so he'll still be on the road quite a bit. He'll be with the uh, NBC sports crew. But being behind the wheel is a difficult physical and mental discipline. So for Dale Jr. to be able to start dedicating some of his life towards family more so than he had in the past, it is the perfect time. It's sort of growing up. And uh, I don't think there's any fan that's sad that he's leaving racing for that very reason.
3: Yes, the uh, the whole debate about head injuries, concussion, etc., it's, it's a big story in all kinds of sports at the moment, and motorsport uh, in, in particular. Tim, um, a couple of points from you. Uh,
4: well, Danica's retirement is um, less voluntary. Is that a fair way of putting it? <laughs>
7: Very much so. Yeah, she um, she made the announcement that the race at Homestead would be the end of her full season career in NASCAR, but she didn't really have a place to go. She made the announcement that she will be running the 2018 Daytona 500 and the 2018 Indianapolis 500 to round out her career without rides established. She doesn't have a team yet, so that's a very bold move to make. But knowing that it's Danica and knowing just who she is there will be a team out there who offers her a seat so there is still that up in the air but her retirement was much less voluntary than Matt Kenseth and Dale Jr both of whom left on their own terms
4: uh, a bit more about uh, William Byron probably not a name that most people uh, will recognize um as you say uh, he's uh, he's progressed it through uh, Xfinity very quickly to become champion Uh, what do you know about him
7: honestly not much before the weekend I'd heard the name a few times I had heard that he was going to be taking over the uh, former Jeff Gordon car the 24 um, because they were moving Chase Elliott who's driven that car this year to the number nine which is a very important family car it's Alex Bowman who's taking over the 88 but William Byron was the one that really hadn't graced my radar before. That being said, I sat down and watched the entire Xfinity race, and he was great. He perfected what he needed to do to come in and win that championship. Again, one of four drivers and the youngest of the four to go in, only 19 years old. He really put on a clinic and, and did a very strong performance, which is only going to be strong for going into next year.
3: The, the, the changes that were made a couple of seasons ago to, to Homestead have really transformed the ability to race, Uh, on the oval there, hasn't it? Haven't they?
5: Oh,
7: it's phenomenal to watch in person because there is a high line that works that Kyle Larson has perfected. And by the way, there was a lot of paint on the right side of his car, so <laughs> he even got in the wall a few times. Um, but there's the high line and the low line, and it really makes it uber competitive. It was a few years back when it was Carl Edwards and Tony Stewart battling it out for the championship for whatever it was, 7,000 laps around Homestead, that really clarified how great that track is with the different lines. But it even came to Fruition with this race, because at times Martin Truex Jr. trying to hold off at, at varied moments uh, both Harvick and Bush had to do different lines, and it was really fun to watch them and to see how the track progressed from day to night. It made for some good racing.
3: Yeah, it has it, it has really made that a, a different uh, a different atmosphere, a different character uh, of track. Uh, you were in the the pit lane and on the pit wall quite a bit uh, with some of our IMSA. Colleagues, uh, watching the the finale of the, the stock car season, what uh, what's what struck you about what was going on down there in pit road?
7: Oh, there is such a method to the madness for the pit stops. (laughs) I was just fascinated. Uh, I really, really, really wanted to try and do live video of one of the pit stops. But of course, being in homestead, your cell phone signal is like dirt. Um, But the crew guys, about 10 laps before the car is scheduled to come in, if it's a scheduled pit stop, will start going through the motions. They'll put their head socks on, their helmets on, they'll start stretching and getting the equipment ready. But it's Once the pit stop is done, they've got uh, TV screens set up in the back of the pit box. It's an instant replay. And each one of the crew guys goes over and watches the aerial footage of the pit stop to see what they've done and what they can do better. They take the tires straight off the car and they do what we do in IMSA, which is check the tire pressures at varying points of uh, of the actual surface of each of the four tires. But then they take a heat gun and scrape off old rubber over these little dots, these impressions that have been previously made in the tires, to measure the tread thickness. So it's their way of seeing how much is left on the tire so that they don't go all the way down to the cord. It's just such a different process. They did that for each tire, and they had five different marks in each tire. So they were dedicated people to go through. They they had two crew members who would then take the old tires back, bring new ones out. But these pit stops are expensive. Each team leases a set of Goodyear's from the company. They get $2,200 per lease set. That's how much it costs. And even the little lug nuts that hold the tires on, they cost a dollar a piece. So you figure five lug nuts a wheel, it's 20 bucks a pit stop in lug nuts. And then when they take the lug nuts off, they don't pick them up like we do on the Continental Tire Sports Car Challenge. They shove them out to the middle of the pit lane and leave them there. So at the end of the race, the pit lane is practically yellow with all these little lug nuts. I did take advantage of that. I ran out and grabbed two from Dale Jr.'s car after the race. But it's just one of those things that's so different, but it's so cool.
4: Tim? Uh, let's move on to another ending on the other side of the world.
3: Oh, so can we say goodbye to Cher then?
4: If you want to say goodbye to her.
3: All right, Cher, thank she, you very she can much stay
4: and it. listen for the next hour and a half.
3: Well, I'm sure she will do that anyway. That tends to be. How did the table tennis go today? Are you still doing those freaky serves that you do that are not actually legal?
7: <laughs> yes, yes, I do the uh, the freaky serve, but uh, no. Mom and I had a good game earlier. She went out to a ten nothing lead. I came back. We tied it up, and then she won twenty one eighteen. But we've got game two coming up later, so I'll keep you posted.
3: All right. Best uh, best best to look at that and say hello to the <laughs> say hello to the parents for me, won't you? Will do. Thanks, John. Thanks, Cher. Cher Adam uh, reporting live uh, from Florida uh, this evening. Good to have her uh, on the line. And, uh, of course, uh, Cher will be part of our IMSA radio team on RS2 uh, as we uh, head into the new season of IMSA competition. And more on IMSA competition uh, later on in the show because the regulations uh, came out uh, this week and therefore we've got a, a bit of news about that. We'll talk that through that with Marshall Pruitt from racer.com uh, later on. well, uh, Tim, where would you like to go next?
4: I'd like to go to the other side of the world. Off you go then. I'd like to go to Macau. Okay, <laughs> really? Uh, because there was uh, a particularly stunning ending there in the Formula 3 race. Uh, I'm sure. If, if
3: by stunning you mean people driving into the wall without any good reason for it, then yes, you're right, it was stunning.
4: I'm sure uh, that uh, you've all seen the footage. I'm Spoiler sure alert. that most of the uh, people who've seen the footage and are listening to this programme uh, had the uh, Jonathan Green commentary, which by the end was only audible to dogs or dolphins. Uh, however, if you thought that was exciting, have a listen to this.
6: クラッシュ優勝は<笑> ちょっと笑いが…
8: <笑>あ、すか the thing
6: about that was,
3: that was just a warm-up lap, actually.
4: That <laughs> yes. was just they were rolling out of the pits. Uh, was that the same Japanese commentator that uh, we heard uh, getting excited about Takuma Saito? I, I, I think it might have been. Yes, uh, I'm not sure about the screen, screaming girls. Uh, he was doing it from the pit the garage, wasn't
3: he? He was doing it from the pit
4: garage. But, uh, yeah, so... Um, Habsburg didn't win... Uh, but he did finish fourth with two wheels on his car as he crossed the line
3: which which means he was underweight so he shouldn't have, shouldn't have been classified
4: hmm uh, there was another race uh, at Macau though involving well, almost. gt cars well, and almost. this one lasted half a lap uh,
3: greg goodwin editor of daily com, is joining us um, i love the idea of an fia uh, World Cup of GT Cup-type thing for the chase for the cup for the thing for the GT, I'm not sure that balling up uh, all-bar four of a very expensive field of GT3 cars at Macau, which, by the way, happens every year, is the way to do it, are you? Uh, I'm very
9: sure it's not the way to do it, I'll be honest (laughs) with you. Um, I just think it's, it's become a complete parody of itself. Mm. Um, it, it, lot it's serious point here. Um, the problem is with Macau and there's lots to admire about that race meeting. By the way, I did watch that formula three race and whilst everybody's concentrating on the finish, actually the most astonishing thing was Tictum's move that I think took yeah. three cars yeah. to put him in a position to take that win. Uh, and neither, by the way, should we forget the other instance, which was, uh, Daniel Hegarty and, uh, just a terrible, terrible, uh, incident that cost the uh, British super gut
3: rider his, his
9: life, and we should remember that. But, but
3: well, you yeah, actually, Graham, um, we might have been talking in more hushed tones about GT racing. Yeah, you, you're right, Daniel Hegarty. Um, I, I always think that car racing around Macau is questionable, motorcycle racing there is frankly just bonkers. Um, we look at the Isle of Man TT and wonder how long that can carry on. But we've got to surely say the same about Macau and the and these mixed races that they Obviously, the cars and the bikes aren't on track at the same time. That would be uh, something completely outrageous. But, you know, Daniel Hegert, he lost his, his life at the weekend. And there'll be people that say, oh, well, you know, he did it, did it doing something that he wanted to. But how many times do we have to keep doing this before we realise that it's not safe? It just isn't safe as a venue. And we had... We had a, a, an Audi with no wheels on the ground in that that GT race because there were cars underneath it. Well, I mean, going back to the GT part, I mean, look,
9: I'm not uh, a bike racing follower, and I don't think I'm equipped to make that that determination. I'm not going to disagree with you, John, because the the human being that I am actually completely agrees with you. But as a professional, I don't know. is a straight yeah. answer. I'm not. That that's position. a fair point for for GTS. I am. And I'm telling you that is a completely inappropriate track now to race these cars. They're bigger, they're wider, they're more powerful. And the problem with it is and we saw that absolutely clearly uh, at the weekend is it only requires one car to make a mistake. And you've got the entire field unable to pass that accident site. And if it's in a blind corner, as it was at Police Bend, they're all going to stack up. You know, it has happened time after time after time. And frankly, that madness has got to stop. Uh, you know, I'm perfectly happy to say, look, it's great to have these unique venues, historic venues on the calendar, but you've got to get to a stage where the venue is not appropriate for the machinery you're using. Would I have a similar problem if we were talking about GT4 cars? I might not, because they're less quick. Um, frankly, they're narrower, so they're going to stack up into a barrier. There's that, more that was chance the point I was going getting, to make,
4: Graham. Yeah, is it just by? that GT3 cars are too wide? Um, they are. Actually, they just are. Because although we see incidents in the touring car races, you you don't, unless you've got a really big accident, see them blocking the track in the way that GTS do.
3: They're also moving. Yeah. They're also moving quicker at the areas where accidents are, are likely to happen because of the. Uh, very highly developed aerodynamics. Yeah, that and also got.
4: the way that they accelerate and brake in different places, yeah.
3: Yeah, uh, and, and yeah. I think that's, that's the thing. I mean, you know, Lawrence Van Ture ended the race on his head uh, last year, and, you know, plenty of, plenty of jokes about that. Still won the race. We had a ridiculous situation uh, this weekend. And I know this is to the, the letter of the regulations, but this was the qualified race, of course, that we we're talking about. Uh, the front four cars got through. The red flags were thrown. They came in at the pit lane, didn't stop on the grid as they're meant to do. They actually came in the pit lane. Then the the uh, results go back a lap and were declared. So basically, as people rolled across the star finish line, the results were declared, despite the fact that half the cars were destroyed. I mean, it, it's just not a good advert for the sport, Graham, is it? Well, I go further than this. Okay, um,
9: I, I don't think very many listeners know what I used to do for a living. For what I used to do, I don't think we was... want to
3: talk about that, Graham. But you can yeah, yeah. you can
9: talk about the other stuff if you want. <laughs> yes, indeed. I was much younger, needed the money,
3: uh, but uh, but I used to. And run... you've still got that 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 uh, that lycra that lycra costume.
9: I do, out. and I you do still need
4: the money.
3: I still
9: need. <laughs> I certainly still need the money. But I used to run the UK government's uh, road safety campaigns. Um, for the Department of Transport back in the day. Uh, there is another high-profile um, set of road safety campaigns. It's run by the FIA, who, by the way, are also responsible for the FIA GT World Cup, mm-hmm. which we're talking about here. The two are not compatible. Yeah. It's as simple as that. They're not compatible. And here, what we're talking about is, frankly, unacceptable risk. Now, whether or not you see that as risk to a driver, risk to damage, etc., the reality was, that um we had uh, was it six cars eliminate eliminated from the following day's race yeah. and they were lucky that it was only six frankly um nice. i don't know what that cost but my I, i'm going to guess that ran into a seven figure sum across that grid now bearing in mind that some of the people that I've been engaging with uh, on Twitter about this, uh, exactly the same people have been talking about ridiculous budgets and other parts of motorsport. Yes. It's just not justifiable on any grounds. It is the wrong place for that event to happen.
3: Yeah, I agree. Um, Owen Graven has uh, tweeted in at uh, RSL underscore studio, actually, but you could also get us on Aspect Entertainment as it's Midway Motorsport. He says, Macau, lovely place for hot laps, not for racing with GT3 cars. And no, no, look, it's, I mean reasonable uh, reasonable yep. I, I understand the tradition graham and, and I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say monaco yeah absolutely perfectly um justifiable
9: we but don't you know race what?
4: gt3s at monaco though
3: we don't they're too fast yeah <laughs> the, we don't also at monaco have a part of the circuit that's so narrow that for every race it has permanent yellow flags out there's the clue right there
4: they have raced GT cars uh, at Poe in the past, though, haven't they? At Monaco uh, at Monaco Grand Prix for
3: several years back in the late 1950s, early 60s, ran to a, a GT formula. A bit British GT based, uh, run at Poe, by the way,
9: but they only they? ran, they did, they only ran the uh, cup-class cars, yeah. so pre-GT4, if you like, mm. uh, back in Just did it once, I uh, wish I'd gone to that one, actually, but... Um, I bet you've what got Monaco, pictures still, haven't you? Oh, we do. Yeah. Um, what we, do, what you don't have at Monaco, with the exception of the chicane, and arguably the entry point to swimming, uh, swimming pool, yeah. is any area of the track that if a car goes, um, as Hapsburg, by the way, did into the barrier, yeah. that you can't get another car past. Yeah. Now, the reality was, Laurence Vanteur, um didn't have the space to get by to avoid being hit up the rear in his Porsche multiple times, destroying the front of his car against the side of the Mercedes and the barrier. It's look, I mean, for me, it's cut and dried. It's a ridiculous situation. Uh, They need to come up with a different venue for it. And frankly, I think there'd be a lot of people in Asian motorsport that would welcome a return to that being the rather more clubby
3: event than it was before. I think GT4 cars would be ideal for it. Why is it at Macau? Is it, is it money? Is it, is it, because of the prestige, um, you know, it's a relatively new addition to the Macau Grand Prix. There's always been support races, touring
9: there's cars been, in particular.
5: Been,
3: now, there's been GT races for many, many years.
9: And I was talking to a team principal from a, from a very prominent um, Asian GT team uh, within the last year who was bemoaning the fact that effectively that was their Le Mans. That was the right. uh, the race that they as, as as kind of gentlemen, if you like, we like silver ranked drivers, used to look forward to be. That was their Le Mans, and that was the the race, John. And you you and, and I know very well what the, this feeling feels like. They waited for the entry list to see whether or not they got an entry. Yes. Now look at it. You know, it's it, the reality here is it's morphed into something. That I'll be blunt. The motorsport world in general and GT racing in particular simply doesn't need. Doesn't need. And you know, and I think if, if you put that back into being something that was more rather more regional that had the odd, um, you know, guest driver in, you know, the likes of Danny Watts in the past has done back to back to back to back races to uh, uh, around uh, Macau. I think that it could find its space again. But what we've got now, which is, it's all too urgent. It's all too you know important to factories and you know i watched it in the bahrain press room with a number of people sitting around us and it was just one of those moments you kind of thought this is just madness you know there is no justification for that race in that place with those cars and it's it's not an anti anything other than it's
3: just not a risk worth taking Keep my eyes on that. We uh, were talking about uh, John Todd being uh, re-elected unopposed on a road safety mandate. Um, he's not going to get his Nobel Prize when he's presiding over stuff like that, is he? Tim Gray, where would you uh, like to go next?
4: The, the final of my endings stories. Ah, is this uh, the last end? Then is this the end of the ends? This is a non-end. Oh, in fact, uh, when is it I, the beginning? Well, it's not definitely not a beginning. Okay. Um, but I saw this press release and I read the first line of this press release, and my immediate thought was,
0: "Gordon's alive!" <laughs> Very good.
3: And
4: the Audi TT Cup is alive. Really? Yeah. It's
3: not. We killed it. I finished it. We destroyed uh, it.
4: You the legends destroyed thought it. Thought they did. Uh, however, next season there will be six double headers supporting Get the it. DTM
3: getting we did in fairness we did suggest
4: we did him, predict this didn't we we did
3: suggest that it might not be good does, does that mean that my chance to, to drive in the Audi TT Cup is still alive and well it is can I ask a question
9: yes you agree, Graham. after that Masters race have they got any cars left <laughs> They've got
3: something to do during the winter now, haven't they? Get them all yeah.
9: re-prepped. Yeah, they've got one. Well, I think most of them actually ended up that uh, race kind of sort of camtailed,
3: tailed didn't they? <laughs> they were all uh, a it's, bit shorter. Yes. yes. Marvellous, but great entertainment. <laughs> been, which, but, which, uh, which events are they double-heading at?
4: Uh, hasn't said on the press release which six DTM races, but I imagine it's the six in Germany and not the ones are outside of Germany. Okay. Uh, hardly any other car with the four rings enjoys such cult status as the TT. Says Hans-Jürgen Abt. I think he's probably right. Uh, so after Hockenheim, we talked to Audi drivers and partners, and we're all in agreement. This automobile icon is also on the racetrack. I'm glad it worked together that we worked together to let the cup continue. I am too
3: because having seen it up close and experienced DTM up close, and uh, <clears throat> seen the whole how the whole weekend works, I actually thought it was a good addition. Um, I I do think that we have to have more legends races as well because um, it, it was just great. I'll enough, John. There's a bit of
9: context with that car and the story we've just been reading, uh, we've yes. just been talking about, good in point. that you may well recall Audi actually trialing that car or a derivative of that car as the potential for their new gt4 car correct and deciding that it wasn't uh, going to be the right direction to go and instead of turbocharged uh, four pot tt putting in five litre v10 uh eight. <laughs> hardly um, any difference so, no there's barely any difference absolutely i'm sure you know with the fairly similar kind of shape ish um and they must have, have over
4: engineered mm-hmm. the chassis to do that
9: <laughs> but, uh, you know, not the first time we've seen someone I actually have a crack at seeing whether or not a TT could be a GT4 car. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a it's a, it's a a very attractive little package,
3: isn't it? Yeah, um, and, and the cars, Graham, um, I think the, the thing about it is the cars, they aren't easy to get the grips with, but they are very entertaining to watch race. And, you know, any single-make series, you need a, a little bit of... Uh, you need a little bit of excitement and at any time it seems to me that those Audis can bite you those TTs can bite you even when you've been driving them all season I think it was uh, I, I think it's a, it's a good thing Tim one, one more from you uh,
4: not one more just the end of this one really okay. uh, uh, interested drivers can apply immediately said added Hans-Jürgen yes. Abt uh, they so if you s- want to apply John you just need to email them I don't think I can do the full season. Um,
3: if, if they want to offer me, they, they, there was an offer hanging like the sword of Damocles of the rest of the grid, uh, of kind of getting, <laughs> getting into one of the... See, <laughs> seriously, Graham. Um, uh, 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 of kind of getting into the, one of the guest cars uh, this season, and it didn't quite happen. Um, although I did go equipped with... Full race gear to the Nurburgring, just in case. But I wasn't required for that. I, I would like to give it a go. Although sprint racing is is not necessarily my thing. I I think uh, at my age and experience now, I have certainly found that I much prefer being in the car for a couple of hours at a time and uh, uh, and and finding my feet that way. Although I'll give it a go. Is this John? Yes, sir. Just, just occurred to me.
9: Um, I did hear from the press room that there'd been some confusion down in the paddock, that uh, lots of people in the paddock were, were, but for some reason, asking for the police to be called. But now I understand why all the drivers were actually saying, nine, nine, nine. That's, I think, what it was. It was just the news that you might actually be part of that grid. Very good.
3: Excellent stuff. <laughs> um. So,
9: yeah, supporting,
4: supporting six rounds of the DTM. DTM calendar hasn't been announced yet, so you may still have the opportunity to... Uh, Take part in those six. All we know about uh, next season's DTM is it won't be going to the Lausitz ring uh, and they'll be going to uh, a different German venue instead. Probably the Saxon ring, which might be nice. Mm.
3: Okay. Mm. Uh, Uh, Now. Gooders. Yes. Yes. Where do you want to go next, Tim? Go on. I'd like to go to
4: Bahrain.
3: Uh, Well, I'm sure you would. It's lovely at this time of the year. Is it not, Mr. Goodwin? It is. I've actually, by the way, I've got a present for you, John. Oh, have you? Have you got a number plate for me? Yes, I have. Oh, you star man. You absolute star man. So I keep the set going. You keep the set going. Oh, you go. right. it,
9: By the way, it will be the last. Yes. Not because it's the last time we're going there because it's not. Right. We'll be back in 19. Oh. But because they've changed
3: the shape of the number plates in Bahrain. We're happy to have new ones as well, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's we are. talk, well, let's talk about that first of all. Because, you know, there was lots of endings. Um, you know, Tim's uh, end of ends. Yes. Um, as a theme this week, there was lots of endings at, at Bahrain and the circuit being the last round of the calendar was certainly one of them. And it is fair to say that it's the last time that we'll see Bahrain in the current season setup. But as I'd, I'd heard the rumours, are, are you prepared to say that it will definitely be on the calendar in 19?
9: 100% will be, it was announced at the end of season party that uh, with Shake Salmon on stage with Gerard Nouveau that it will feature in the 2019-20 calendar which frankly is a smart move because of course if you're actually going for a winter calendar yes. best you have some races where you know you're actually going to be able to race in the winter Yeah,
3: interesting. we talked about that on the uh, on the race coverage on, on RS1 uh, and quite a number of the, uh, of the listeners said well there's no need to move some of the, the dates um, obviously, we haven't got that calendar yet. It's a long way ahead, but it would make sense if it was in roughly the same time of the year. We've, we've seen races in November and, and, and even December, uh, January in that area of the world be eminently, uh, eminently uh, logical. It's it's ideally
9: placed in terms of the the timing. We of course the first year of the WEC had the race in September, and that was bonkers. I mean, mm. you know, we, we had guys coming back from trackside, you know, having drunk litres and litres of water and in real trouble. It's just too warm uh, earlier in the, in, in the sorry in the late summer. Uh, it's ideal place uh, to to race. Uh, we, we've always felt, John, despite all the. Uh, the reports elsewhere about uh, other issues in the kingdom. Uh, we've always felt welcome there. We've always had a great welcome wherever you go in Bahrain, hotels, restaurants, uh, uh, and the like. And yeah, it's uh, it's all good stuff. So it's a good thing to, to know that we're going to be heading back there. We'll wait with bated breath. What else might emerge from the calendar after the super season?
3: Uh, the, uh, the transition season coming up, of course. It's a long time now before we see cars on track, uh, which will be... Uh, back at Paul Ricard for the the prologue. Uh, Dan Sayers telling us yesterday that at least a couple of Aston Martins will be there. We should see all the new cars there. But in terms of WEC, it's going to go quiet for a little while. But my goodness, went out on a high with the testing on Sunday after... Frankly, a great race. And and I should say, one of the reasons we should go back to to, to Bahrain and the Sakya circuit is it's always raced very well, and it did at the weekend again. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, the, the whole six hours kept me um, involved and interested in a way that, if I'm honest, Shanghai didn't this year, um, whether that was... Uh, uh, something to do with the circuit or something to do with the entry I I don't know but Bahrain was a barnstormer start to uh, finish um, of course Sunday was in some ways Graham even even bigger headlines with Fernando Alonso twice a world champion in Formula One getting his first proper taste of an LMP1 hybrid car which we expect to see him driving at Le Mans this year
9: uh, yes, indeed. Well, f- first thing first with the race, you're absolutely right, John. It was a cracker. Slightly disagree with about Shanghai. I thought Shanghai in P2 and in uh, GT uh, E Pro was an absolutely blinding mm. race. However, um, the the gripping stuff for me, quite aside from the will they, won't they get to the finish and uh, have a fairy tale finish mm. for Tota and uh, Porsche in P1 p2 you could could barely have written it could you and, and frankly it, ca- it came down to uh what 72 hours of racing and 10 seconds for the title and finally probably decided by a fuel pickup problem yeah. for uh the number 38 the mighty 38 which was doing it with things 20 19 18 17 laps yeah. on a tank of fuel then 12 and therefore clearly needed a splash and dash to complete the race but cracking stuff uh, great to see uh, in a class that, you know, at times, um, you know, we've been worried about. But to see two cracking teams, Jackie Chan DC Racing and Sam Hignett and the Jota uh, squad against uh, Violent Rebellion, and we wait to find out what the final decision is going to be about what happens for them next season, um, a cracking race uh, between those two and, you know, worthy contenders for um, you know the the overall the, the overall NMP two title. I'm actually delighted to say that uh, that you know Bruno Senna, who for me has been a standout talent, great, um, uh, you know, came out on top there, and lots of firsts. First Brazilian WEC title winner there. Um, it, it continues an extraordinary record for Rebellion Racing, having won a title in every single one of the six seasons of the WEC.
3: Uh, I I uh, thought that 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 battle I mean edge of the seat stuff again um, Toyota Toyota win the season uh, I don't want to preempt our WEC review so much but uh, five wins to four so they've won the season ironically well, they don't pick up anything for uh, well, hey, that here hey, John here's a point
9: they lose the title by 25 points yes Okay. which
3: is the double which, points from
9: Le Mans and therefore if you'd counted back without double points they would have been champions correct Correct. That's an extraordinary statistic, and they will look back and bitterly regret the performance at Le Mans. Not just now because uh, of their failure to win the race, but also because it cost them the world championship. So a very expensive race indeed for Toyota. But of course, they've now confirmed that they will return next year.
3: Yeah, lot lots going on um, outside of the race itself. Fernando Alonso uh, doing uh, his best lap. I think a couple of three tenths quicker. Uh, than the other rookie in the in the Toyota tso 50 uh, who has a bit more endurance experience, but not as much racing experience. But um, that was I still think pretty good. Um, Alonso, uh, I don't understand. In some respects, I don't understand the uh, the vitriol that was directed towards uh, Fernando Alonso by. Uh, some reporters who said they wouldn't, he wouldn't talk to them, and said he's, he's not good enough to be in sports car racing, etc., etc. I spoke. He was when was he at WEC Bahrain a couple of years ago, Graham? A couple of years ago, yeah. Right, uh, and, 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 and you know that I spoke to him for about fifteen absolutely. minutes. I'm very happy to, to respond to this
9: one. Um, the the answer here uh, from the very first moments that we started to talk about uh, Fernando coming to. The uh, the test was that it was made abundantly clear that he would not be available for comment. You know, I think even the reporters that have rather lost their uh, minds over what was actually written briefly on Twitter would recognise that there are clearly some contractual issues uh, around until at least after the Abu Dhabi uh, Grand Prix. Uh, repeatedly and politely, I asked whether or not this or that or another opportunity might be available um with fernando and repeatedly was equally politely told that no it wouldn't but there would be a statement following okay. the race there is a reality here which is having actually had that conversation repeatedly um i just chose to go off and do other things that day others chose differently i'm afraid if they wasted their time that's their problem
3: well eventually but- it comes down it, it becomes doorstepping doesn't it and it gets a bit it gets a bit aggressive and a bit petty it's a bit boring, I'm sorry, but it just is.
9: And, you know, if he's made it clear that that's the way things are going to be, you know what, they might well be entitled to be a little bit irritated. They've wasted their day. Um, but I'm terribly sorry. Uh, comments aimed at his level of ability, professionalism and outlook nah, are completely out, inappropriate.
3: Out of order, I'm afraid.
9: And, and, and... I mean, said that, he went off and did uh, LNP2 test a couple of days later and thoroughly enjoyed himself as well. So uh, I should say, by the way, in terms of the pace, steadily... Pace was coming uh, through the day, mm. through both okay. sessions, and they clearly were not going for any kind of banzai laps. This is a fundamentally different form of motorsport with the systems that you've actually got to manage. Uh, I've very no much more... idea
3: how anybody, idea how anybody jumps into that type of car w- without a fortnight's residential course.
9: and, yeah, well, and even a... gets
3: any kind of, yeah. of. And let's let's not forget, as I say, it was only um, who was the other driver that jumped into that it was Thomas Laurent, Laurent. wasn't it it was Thomas Laurent and he yeah. was only two tenths slower on his fastest lap yeah and Thomas
9: you know he's young is the, the video game generation um, uh, Fernando had had some simulated time at Toyota during oh, okay. the visits that we managed to exclusively grab details of
3: the overnight uh, visit
9: it wasn't overnight. It wasn't <laughs> overnight, but um, but but certainly he was just doing what a good professional race driver was do- would would do, plugging away at it, not going for it. Frankly, he was going to get the headlines, whatever he did.
3: Of course,
5: right. So
9: you know, he doesn't have to go out there and be a hero. Uh, Thomas Laurent, very impressive. Very now impressive. Now newly installed, of course, as a gold ranked driver, as we all expect. Correctly, would be. so. Yeah, uh, but we wait and see what deal, if any, is done with Toyota. Will it be Le Mans? Will it be Le Mans plus? a race will it be Le Mans plus most of the super season and let's face it John you'd have to be some kind of if you, if you love sports car racing and you love Le Mans you'd have to be some kind of idiot not to hope that he gets the lot well you know the
3: the the issue is where does he go the other news that came along uh with Toyota confirming that they'd be part of that uh the WAC going forward in this, this extended season, the transition season, is that there will be only two cars. So yep. somehow he's got to fit in, which would suggest to me that he'll take over um, the endurance driving somewhere. Because he can't do the full season, Graham, unless he steps away from Formula One. There's only one clash, I believe, and that would be Fuji,
9: which is an interesting one, isn't it? Because, of course, that's, that's Toyota's that's... home ground. Correct. So that that is an interesting one. Well, we wait and see. I think for the moment, you know what, I'm actually quite happy to wait and see how this one pans out. Beyond where we currently are, it's all speculation, and just about everything else you're going to see is the is the uh, perfectly predictable uh, repeat performance. From some of my reporting colleagues to go and see what what tiny little bit of a snippet they can actually get in Abu Dhabi, and that will, I'm sure, be reported/slash overreported far and wide. You know, uh, for me, let's wait and see. It's a bit of magic actually about to happen here. Um, after weeks, if not months, of downbeat feeling about what's going to happen in 2018-19, there is a lot to look forward to. And you know, the naysayers around LMP1. Will we have two factory teams? Of course we won't. Will we have two LMP1 cars? No, we won't. We're already at six, I believe seven, and I think we could reach ten.
3: Graham, we've uh, run out of time in this first hour. Uh, We had a a couple of new GT cars uh, unveiled uh, this week from uh, British Marks. One with history, one with a little less. We'll talk about that uh, maybe next week with the the McLaren and the Aston Martin uh, GTE. Uh, was uh, unveiled this week to an expectant world. Graeme, for the moment, uh, DailySportsCar.com editor, thanks for being with us, mate. Have a good evening. Always a delight. Graham Goodwin joining us live here on Midweek Motorsport and, oh, it's that time. It's just on nine o'clock.
0: Would you like to hear some of my experimental avant-garde poetry? No? Okay, then. It's Midweek Motorsport and still to come. <laughs>
3: Oh, dear. Uh, these just keep getting better and better. Uh, we we have in the second hour of tonight's programme, we'll be joined by uh, Racer.com's Ma- Marshall Pruitt. We've got Dan Rook, the runner-up in the RX2 series, uh, the Rallycross series, powered by Cooper Tyres, and an FIA World Rallycross champion in the shape of Johan Christopherson. Uh, your your submissions, please, to aspect your tournament. Uh, on Twitter and I'm now going to have to break away and take a deep breath because I really want to know what that avant-garde poetry uh, from our voiceover artists would actually sound of. Midweek Motorsport live on RS1 Midweek Motorsport on RS1 Motorsport series 12 episode 44 and as the uh, the, the light comes on in the studio uh, spot on uh, there perfectly because we are illuminated by the presence uh, of the responsible adult and it's christmas eve's eve uh, this evening and,
1: uh, our, and our new uh, our new
3: candles your new candles remote, remote control, control candles, candles. Have they made your list? Uh, no.
4: Are there uh, four of them? There's five, actually. Yeah. Moving No one on. Four candles.
3: Yeah, li- yes. Handles for forks. Um, uh, it is traditional at this time of the year that you are our responsible adult, takes a troll through, the uh, takes a rummage through the Christmas stockings <laughs> of, of everyone, and uh, delves down deeply into the bottom of Santa's sack uh, to see... <laughs>
1: Sorry, I'm still on the... Uh, I'm a garpolli poetry. <laughs> to, say,
3: to see... what you can tell this is live, isn't it? We would have cut this out if we recorded uh, this. Uh, to see what's there for motorsport-inspired presents. Well, we're not quite into the festive season yet, with a couple of weeks or, what, ten days or so. Yeah.
1: Just because we haven't started opening advent calendars doesn't mean we shouldn't be buying presents.
3: Or at least planning for presents. Indeed. Making a list, checking it twice. At least. Right, um... Fire away then and tell me what you've got.
1: Right. Number one. Yeah. The Le Mans DVD from Duke. Ah. This year, only RadioLeMond.com commentary. Right. In fact, I could say Mobile One Radio. Radio Le Mans. Mobile One Radio yeah. LeMond commentary. 91.2 FF. Um, and I'm very happy to say that I already have a 15% discount for listeners. Right. Uh, you need to put in Arnage15, all caps. And you will get 15% off anything on the site. which What, not just our DVD? Correct, which brings me to a couple of other items.
3: Right, so hang on. So it's available in standard deaf and high def. Yep. Um, and it's the usual sort of presentation. And it's so, had awesome reviews. Yes, I, I saw a couple of... I haven't seen it yet. Nope. Um, but everybody I've spoken to... I've had, post. I've had a couple of people say to us how good it was. Uh, there's a, It's a, a, a full a full mix of the international TV pictures and our sound Correct. to go along with it yep uh, with no interruptions from anything else hurrah right okay good so that's something should be at the top of all of your Christmas lists that one yes and 15% off
1: and for those who've already bought it and I know some people have that's why we've made it 15% off anything on the site
3: okay thank you to our friends at Joke for indeed that indeed
1: so Ben and um, the guys there so that's fantastic which brings me to my number two yeah which is the Williams DVD.
3: Oh, watched that the other night with I the parental unit.
1: loved it. Loved, loved, loved it. It was so surprising. So not what I was expecting. It was really moving. I both adored and despised him. I thought her emotional her emotional maturity was extraordinary. Claire Williams. Yes. Yes. It was, it was brilliant. It was not what I was expecting.
3: We've spoken to a number of people who shall remain nameless, but... Will know exactly who they are if they are listening to this, who have been around that team, who are intimately associated with that team, who says that that is an absolutely accurate record and were as stunned as we were at the honesty of, of that video. Yep. And that's available at Duke as well, of yes, course, so you it can is. get your 15% off that. Correct. Okay. Uh, Duke is www. Duke video. Duke
1: video dot com i'm pretty .com. certain
3: dot com yeah. thank you
1: um and my next one which is another thing that i thought was great and the archive work was brilliant was the man and Mans. yes um which
3: well we talked about this at Le
9: Mans. we
1: talked about this at Le Mans at length and we talked to gabriel and we talked to andrew yeah. marriott and i really liked it i really liked the it's another one work. that i sat down
3: with and thought I knew the story. I thought I knew the story of Williams. I thought, um, I was positive I knew this, the story of the making of the movie Le Mans, having proofread and Mike, Michael Kaiser's book, The French Kiss with Death. And there was bits that I looked, I went, I've never seen that before. I've never seen that before. It was outstanding, wasn't it? And it's another warts and all yes. portrayal.
1: Yep, yep. I've really, really enjoyed that. So that's another one also available from Duke, uh, from Duke. Uh, so or, get your 15% or, you know, Arnage all caps why 15 wouldn't you the, why wouldn't you use the use
3: Duke because discount? they support us and, and people often say what we can we do to help you guys well support the people who support us and the guys at Duke are certainly one of our supporters so thank you to them indeed so Arnage 15 all in caps when you're checking out and you yeah. get 15% off okay.
1: and that's until the 27th of this month 27th so that's next week of November, November. So get right. So if
3: you're listening, if you're listening to this on catch up, get your order in quickly. Yeah. Right. Okay. Next Uh,
1: up. Next up. Who knew there was such a thing as a travel destinations voucher? Not me. They come in.
3: So so hang on. So travel destinations, our official travel uh, partner. Yep. You can give your loved ones. Money towards their trip to Le Mans or the Spa Classic or Le Mans Classic or Sebring or, or, Daytona, or anywhere else they go.
1: Or wherever they're going. Right. And they come in fifty pound increments. Right. And it's all logged in their offices. So if you ring up and say, Oh, I've got this voucher.
3: Right. So you so you don't actually get a physical voucher necessarily? No, I'm it sure. goes onto your account.
1: Yeah. Okay. Or it go, or it or it comes as an electronic okay. thing. Right? And
3: I'm a dinosaur, I you like can things like
1: that. You can use them for, So you could say, Okay, well I'm gonna Sneakily give someone a pitch at Porsche Curves oh, for Le Mans cool. and do it with vouchers.
3: Or if you have your own Christmas lists that you pass out to your family, which yep. I know a lot of people do nowadays, you could say, "I'd really like to go at Le Mans this year. Um, stick fifty quid in my fund." Correct. Oh, that's fantastic. Yes.
1: So, Next up.
3: so you know, and that's and www, you can use www. that.
1: You can use that at the campsite. You could use it at Flexatels. So you could use anything it for that, event.
3: that you Absolutely book through anything. TD. Yep. Okay.
1: Yep and that's um okay and if you have any problems ring them because they're fabulous
3: yeah speak to saffron or to richard or to andrew or helen or helen yep yeah
1: uh Next etsy up. etsy now i haven't been to etsy before but right. uh one of our listeners recommended it which is a bit like um not on the high street
3: right I'm so, sure a lot so of people won't realise what that is. It's a
1: marketplace, okay. basically. And um, and I went and had a, a cruise around after it was recommended by somebody, and I found a couple of really great things. Um, there's a there's a guy who does uh, reproduction posters. Uh, I
3: like all the posters. He's
1: called the Retro Poster on, right. on Etsy.com. And there's a brilliant Sebring 1966 poster. It's really? fabulous.
3: All right. Have you given away my, my surprise no. present already? <laughs> Thanks. I'm not by the turning up now.
1: We've got lots of stuff to go on the wall.
3: Okay, fine.
1: And there's also a a bit like Linear Edge doing track outlines, but these are US track outlines in metal from uh, a guy who markets himself as Plasma Tracks, also on Etsy. Okay. So you can get Road America or you can get Button Willow, or you can get... Road Atlanta, and, for, and if you don't see a track that you want, you can ask them for
3: it. So even tracks that don't exist anymore.
1: I, I that's a good question. Go and take a look. There's a big drop down and a huge number of tracks.
3: Because I have gone and sat in car parks that used to be <laughs> that that used to be race tracks, of course.
1: But it's worth, definitely worth a look. And actually, the motorsports section of Etsy is is okay. actually quite good. Right. There's quite a cool NASCAR Lozenge uh, style T-shirt that instead of saying NASCAR says left turn.
3: Okay, very good. Which I
1: thought was quite cool. Uh Next, books.
3: I still like books. I still like books. I know that you have an e-reader. I do. Which you take on the plane and read a lot when...
1: I remember the days when I used to actually lug a suitcase full of books with me everywhere I went. I
3: still like books, though, and I still like going back to books. I don't have a lot of time to do it.
1: No, and I still like books. But there's
3: something nice about a book, isn't there? Even
1: an old... I mean, I bought bought a couple of um, first editions recently, which, which... you know, obviously, you know. I've still got all the old Bond Kindle. books. You do. Yeah, you do. Uh, Adrian Newey's autobiography. Ah. Which is which is really good. Available from all good booksellers.
3: And some rubbish ones uh, as well.
1: well <laughs> probably some rubbish ones <laughs> as well. Um, it's it's really good. It's very Adrian. Um, just just go and have a read through. It's it's not. Adrian Newey's a man that sees airflow. Yes. Like he clearly does in he, the same way I see numbers.
3: Like. Like, yes like the uh like the sixth sense like the I see dead people type of thing he he actually sees the way air flows
1: over a surface mm. Mm. it's really good really really good is it terribly technical or no i think it's really accessible right uh, you know i'm it, oddly as a person with an english degree i'm yeah quite numbers oriented right I, okay but i thought it was really accessible i didn't have any kind of issue with it and i am not an engineer
3: and historical as as well as up to date and and...
1: yes 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 because it's his autobiography so it's
3: about him Mm -hmm. and about how he is he's developed as a person as well okay cool i'm I'm looking forward to that is that me stocking as well Cars. okay next
1: uh now then i was hoping to be able to point you in the direction of ian wagstaff's forthcoming book Right. Which was his new nine five six nine six two Haynes oh. manual. It's not going to be out till March. No. But you can pre order it. Right. Having said which, Waggers. you can go and buy Waggers' excellent Lotus Eighteen Yeah. All of those
3: Haynes is... manuals in fairness, uh, But the are Lotus very Eighteen
1: good. isn't. The Lotus Eighteen is the story of the Sterling Moss
3: oh, right. car. Oh right, okay.
1: Which is fabulous. Right. Um, so that's that is available. That only came out in October, I think. Right. But So the, that's
3: not a Haynes manual. That is, no, that that's, is a, that's a documentary a book. Waggers Right. Yeah.
1: But the new nine five six nine six two May, May Haynes manual yeah. is available in March and it is available to pre order.
3: Okay. So you could put that in your Christmas. You could
1: thing. give right. somebody a I've okay. ordered this for you. And Silver. I think that's going to be stunning.
3: Right. All of those are in
1: good. a very me way.
3: Well, Ian is relentless with his uh, with his background knowledge and his uh, research was the word I was looking for yep. um, on everything that he does. And I like his style of writing as well because his style of writing is actually you talked about Edwin Newey's books being accessible. It's actually quite conversational. It's not dry. Nope. There's 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 quite a lot of passion in Ian's in Ian's writing even for a documentary book. So very if you are
1: going to buy the Lotus Eighteen book from amazon.co.uk hurry up there are only 12 issues left really yep well okay copies i should say right uh next up framed motorsport prints i do
3: like a nice frame print
1: you you do the very (laughs) lovely adam prescott uh has offered up he's got photographs from throughout the season there'll be some new bahrain ones up now ish uh a whopping 25% discount for Midweek Motorsport listeners wow. on framed prints and prints. And that is at prescottmotorsport.co.uk. Again, I'll put it all on Facebook.
3: And so on the Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective, we'll yeah. summarise all of this.
1: But Prescott Motorsport with the double T,
5: yeah.
1: prescott.co.uk, all uppercase RSL 2017 2017. Um, that will get you a 25% discount. Excellent. Up until Christmas Day. Right. And allow 10 days for delivery because they're all made to order. Right. Very so good. thank you very much, Adam. That's fabulous. Right. Everybody needs a calendar going into the new year.
3: Everybody needs a calendar. And
1: who do we get our calendars from?
3: We get our calendars from... Drew Gibson. Drew Gibson.
1: Drew-Gibson.co.uk. Drew-Gibson. Still has some copies available of Does he? his...
3: I'm surprised.
1: Darning motorsport calendar. It, and it's it? Fa- it's I'll say now... It's, it's not, not one for writing stuff on. No, no, it's exactly what I was. It's one say. to remind you what date it
3: is and go. Ooh. But but you know all of the all of the pictures and some of those pictures will not have been seen before because nope. Drew always keeps a couple back. Um, I was trying to persuade him to get the GT8 uh, on for next year, so I, I, I think I failed that miserably. Um, however, um, you could quite easily frame those. Uh, Drew's done great work through the year with a number of of gt uh, teams and he's been at all the big races um if you want to go and have a look at the website the website is
1: drew-gibson.co.uk
5: yeah
3: and the man cannot be all bad because he loves cars and he has very recently bought a ford puma racing which he's having done up at the moment and he's got a couple of other gold cars as well although he does insist on riding a bicycle around
1: which i don't understand anyway carry on keeps his calves pumped uh, right subscriptions yes race car engineering yes currently has a fabulous offer right 48% off wow um, so go to racecar.com. and you still get the full mag yes you do you don't get half a mag you just cut it in half horizontally vertically no race car engineering uh, subscriptions I will post the link there is a 48% off offer I think that is a Billy bargain
3: Right. I I, I don't always understand motorsport engineering. It is one of the few magazines...
1: Sometimes you have to just let it wash over you. Yeah, but
3: it is one of the few magazines I read cover to cover. Yeah. I actually read everything because I never know when something that I've read there is going to become important because it's normally several months down the line. So thank you to Andrew Cotton and to, to Sam and
1: Gemma for that one. Yep. Uh, IRespect at irespectdirect.com. Yes. Currently having a sale. Oh. Uh, so go and get your sunglasses because eventually you will see the sun again.
3: Yes. Uh, it's it's nice to think about the sun, isn't it? And 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 Lewis Hamilton, Damian Ricciardo and the Radio Show Limited team can't be wrong. They are simply They are the best, the best. sunglasses. Yeah.
1: They are, they are. Uh, also having a bit of a Christmas sale, uh, and still having some of the 2017 Mobile One Radio Le Mans stickers for those who didn't get them right is uh, stickers for yeah. our sticker partner so if you go to stick it up for number Le Mans, yeah. and again I'll post the link uh, that'll take you to the, the stickers page they will shortly but not yet have the new Midweek Motorsport helmet right and also the new RadioLe Mans logos
3: there is a new suite I'm told by Dan, I've been working very hard with uh, the genius that is Andy Blackmore. Is
1: there a new thinner, John?
3: <laughs> the Super Lagerra Hindoff.
1: Thin, thinner Hindy.
3: Okay, yeah, Super hind lig- Hindoff. Dan, we need one of those.
1: And um, that's it. Was that it already? Is yeah. that 12? twelve. Through yeah, that's twelve. through twelve. There's yeah. not anything else on there yeah. just for you. Oh, uh, well, there is a thirteenth. 13th 13 for you. Yeah, yeah. Which is? Yeah. Well, I actually need two of these. Right. Which is the Vantage. Yes. The new for twenty eighteen Aston Martin vantage
3: piece yes. for each year. I think you might have to stand in a long line for that. And
1: You've got contacts. I know you've got contacts. You can get <laughs> jump me up the list. Uh that's Eve Hewitt's a really big discount.
3: Eve Hewitt, the responsible adult, uh, with us for her twelve days of Christmas, Thanksgiving Eve, Eve. Thank you very much, and uh, <laughs> all those details on the Midweek Motorsport Listeners Connective on Facebook, and it will be on the website at RadioLamont.com as well, which is still our portal. Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport Series 12, Episode 44. Still to come, we've got Marshall Pruitt coming up in a little while from Racer.com. Uh, we'll be speaking to him live from the. Uh, West Coast of the USA He's in California at the moment But first of all We're going to get down and dirty Uh, Fast Furious Quite quick But also a bit grubby Are we doing some Rallycross now?
4: Uh, Yes We haven't talked about Rallycross For a long time
3: I do like Rallycross I remember the days of Arthur Debenham uh, Doing the PA commentary And the Nations Cup at Croft Before Croft was restored to Being a a racing circuit It was just Rallycross there I loved it. That was the closest thing I could get to motorsport in my formative years. And uh, recently, uh, the. <laughs> I, I just paused for effect there. Uh, recently, the FIA World Rallycross uh, came to an end in South Africa. In a moment or two, we'll be speaking to Dan Rook, the. Uh, runner-up in the RX2 series, powered by Cooper Tires. But earlier on, I spoke to the new FIA World Rallycross champion, Johan Kristoffersen, And the first question was, of course, is he getting used to being called FIA World Champion?
6: Uh, I, I can't really say that I'm getting used to it, but I would like to be used to it and, and now I have the possibility to, to get through so, it. But for sure, it will take some time to say things in. And, you know, it's not uh, season is over now, but obviously I'm right now standing at the front of track uh, for this uh, weekend. Uh, so I'm still competing and I'm still in on the So I think it will take a little bit more uh, some time to relax and spend some time with family back home before we do the same thing. that I can start to enjoy that I actually won the World Championship.
3: Uh, it's been a, a, an interesting journey for you to uh, Rallycross World world Champion with your Polo because you started as a circuit racing driver, driving uh, uh, driving more conventional machinery. And in fact, you've only been in Rallycross since, what,
6: 2014? Uh, yeah. yeah, that's correct. I did uh, two races in 2013. But before that, I did, I did uh, two cars. Uh, championship, yeah, the material Car championship, quite similar to the BCCC. Uh, and then I, I find it, you know, that I get a little bit stuck in my, my circuit racing going. I couldn't take the next step and so on. And I did some career caravan and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, then I was driving for steps over to be rally. And then I kind of, I heard there was some rumours about that it's going to be a road change uh, 2014. So I tried to out. Uh, 13 appearances and then I continued on, on through Rallycross 2014 and then from 15 on I've been competing in the, in the World Championship uh,
3: Rallycross runs <laughs> runs in the family though a little bit in fairness doesn't it?
6: Uh, yeah uh, my father was uh, competing in, in Rallycross uh, since 92 and uh, i always been interested in, in competing myself but uh, there was no, never any space for me to start uh, myself because uh, my father retired so I started at the age of 19, and uh, this is my time to shoot So I haven't been racing for long, but uh, I've always been around and like, grew up in the face.
3: It was a great second half of the season for you, Johan. The, the, that really took you the championship. You had win after win after win. I mean, what was the difference between the first half of the season and the second half of the season for you?
6: Yeah, it took until um, the fourth race before uh, Volkswagen and the TFSI did our first victory, and uh, obviously it's, uh, it's a WRC car that we converted into a WRX car card. We could qualify before we could, uh, before we could, you know, uh, set up the cars towards uh, driving more for the rallycross instead of uh, road, uh, rally. So it was a big, it was a big challenge, and uh, me and Patrick I was working very well together. <laughs> Valley background and i on the circuit and Valley is actually in the middle in between so we've been working very well together and the team has given us the tools to get the car to work exactly how we want it and it took a few races before we before we get everything perfect but from there on we have been really
3: And it's so important to get the car right because Rallycross, for those people who don't know, is such a short, fast, uh, immediate sport that you can't afford to have any mistakes and if the car's not right, you're at a massive disadvantage. Well, it's
6: very tricky also because uh, Rallycross, the track is changing so quickly. I mean, from my know, the track is quite similar from... We speak about the, the track changes as a but I mean it's not close to driving because it haven't on um, five seconds on one day of driving. So you have to be so well prepared for the changes already ahead, and you have to be good, and um, the team has to be good and um, uh, predict the track conditions the next time you get out. That's, that was the biggest
3: chance. What's it like having Petter Solberg as a as a, uh, as a teammate, the man they call Hollywood, the big smile, the big personality, was that difficult or, or was he a good teammate? It's been
6: really the, the and main topic since I arrived at the team, that we really should work together and everyone should be really uh, you know, at home in the team. And, uh, I think from day one, I really felt like uh, you know, you're I felt like, uh, I felt like uh, a family member uh, the team. So uh, that that's, that's one of the the keys to the success we have this season.
3: Now they always say it's it's a difficult thing to win a ch- any championship. It's even harder to defend it the following season, so you realise you're going to have the target on the back of your polo next year because as defending champion, everyone's going to want to beat you.
6: Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I've been the one that's been hunting now for, for nine years and now finally I get my world champion. So. But yeah, you know, I'm already on it for next year trying to prepare and I think that you have to look a little bit outside the box to, to to be able to do something. In 2013, I've been doing both valley cross-country and circuit and and like racing in mountain valleys. You know, you have to look a little bit outside of the box. Conor McGregor did that. We've been able to try to do that, you know, try to, to find different things in different sports because valleycross is such a unique thing.
3: Well, you've had a fantastic season this year. Very, very well deserved. We wish you all the best over the, the holiday period and good luck for next year. Johan, thanks for, thanks for joining us here on Midweek Motorsport.
6: Yeah, thank you very much and I'm looking forward to seeing you next season.
3: Well, it's a double dose of rallycross action this evening on Midweek Motorsport, as well as the world champion. We have the runner up in the secondary category, if you will, of, uh, of rallycross. Now, this is what's called RX2 International Series presented by Cooper Tyres. And congratulations to Dan Rook uh, for uh, taking, I suppose, the vice championship, as the uh, Americans would say. Uh, long, hard season, Dan.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's been been quite difficult. Um, my first time in these cars, uh, first time in the, in this series, uh, so it's been quite a steep learning curve. I've been in with a new team; it's, it's their first time running these cars as well. So, lots of uh, lots of progress for the year, lots of experience, and well, it seems to have paid off in the end. I think.
3: For the uninitiated of our listeners, explain what the difference is between the uh, FIA World Rallycross and the RX2 category. Is it different power? Is it uh, just two-wheel drive? How does it work?
2: Uh, so both cars have four-wheel drive, um, except in the headline World Rallycross Championship, they have 600 horsepower. The engines are in the front. They have two-litre um, turbocharged engines, um, and they pull 0-60 in about 1.9 to 2 seconds. <laughs> um so they are the crazy fast uh, cars. Uh, we are RX2 is a one-make series, so we all have a, the same car. It's a space-framed designed car, with mid-engine, still four-wheel drive, but with 2.4 naturally aspirated at around 310 brake horsepower.
3: Still a bit of a handful, I would have thought. Uh, what's your background, Dan? Did you come, as as Johan did, from circuit racing and transfer, or have you always been on the loose doing rallying or rallycross?
2: Uh, I started off, like most young drivers, actually, in a in a go-kart. Um, and then I switched to a sport called autocross, which isn't yeah. actually that well-known. Um, so autocross is like a, a loose surface. You race in a field against the clock. And... Um, you got to try and complete the your four laps as fast as you can on a loose surface i did that for about 3 years so that's that's like a to,
3: sorry sorry Dan so that's like a, a loose surface ver- version of sprinting if you will
2: yeah if you like yeah. so um yeah you got to do four laps of a track on mud basically <laughs> <laughs> And that,
3: so, um, I would have thought that would give you a decent grounding for Rallycross because as I was saying to Johan just a, a few moments ago, the issue um, with Rallycross is it's such short, sharp uh, heat races and finals. You've really got to be on it straight away. There's, there's no time for scratching your bum and reading the newspaper. You've got to be on it as soon as the lights go out.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I love about the sport is there's no holding back. It's you know, you, you've got to be quite brutal in a way. Um, obviously, you do get a bit of rubbing with, uh, with, with when you're trying to overtake and things like that, and the stewards are quite lenient with that because, obviously, the races are so short and sharp. You've got to make up as much ground as you can. So, uh, yeah, you don't have time to think. You just have to do and, and do 100%. So, why did you
3: decide that RX2 was the right way to go after you'd done your autocrossing and, and uh, the earlier part of of your career?
2: Um, I think RX2 is a is a very good feeder series. Obviously, I'm trying to make a, a career similar to what Johan has achieved. Um, I'm trying to step up into the World Championship eventually. Um, so, I'd like to say that RX2, you're in on the same tracks as the, the main World RX drivers. Um, you're in the eyes of the right sort of people and you're all in the same car. So, everybody's it comes down to the driver and how well you can engineer your setup to get the maximum out of the car so um in terms of like a as a early part of my career to be in an rx2 car it's um it's it's worked out quite well i think especially i think i've turned a few heads this year i'd like to think so uh So, yeah, it's definitely a good option.
3: Now, now you came up through the British Championship. In fact, you were, uh, I think, the youngest British champion ever. Uh, How's the British Rallycross seen? Because I remember probably before you were born sadly uh, going up to croft and watching things like nation's crook cup and and british rally Crofts up there up in the northeast uh, of england with arthur debenham doing the commentary on the PA and then rally Cross sort of fractured a little bit and it didn't like most things when they fracture it didn't do the sport very very much good but it seems to be on
2: the up again now british rally Cross. yeah it's it's fantastic to see the sport on the up again and uh, yeah i think with the last couple of years, um, and I think I've, I've hit it at quite a, a good time, in the last couple of years, it's it's starting to on, be on the rise again, like mm-hmm. Rallycross is, is as a whole. Um, so it's good to see that the fans are flocking to it. Um, and I mean, it, it was designed for the TV anyway. It was designed for spectators, you know, back in the day. So um, there's no reason for people to not love it. It's you know, short, sharp racing. You, you're not, You don't have to sit in the cold for to watch the outcome of one race it's you know you get a new race every five ten minutes Mm. and uh yeah it's a combination of everything you can think of in one go Uh,
3: i think you were the only brit in rx2 this year it's a a sport that's dominated by the europeans and, and in rx2 mostly by scandinavians with swedes and and uh, Norwegian drivers, by far the the most uh, prevalent. What's it been like flying the flag on your own out there? It's been a bit lonely for you?
2: <laughs> <laughs> you could say it's been a bit lonely, um, but there are a lot of uh, British people working within teams and things like that, so uh, I'm not on my own out there. Uh, there are some British people out there, and everyone's very inviting. You know, the Scandinavians are, you know, their English is all very good, and mm. they make you feel very welcome, but, you know, I've I've been quite proud to fly my flag and be the only Brit in the championship and yeah, really trying to trying to put us back in the rallycross map again.
3: You've had a cracking five years or so since your autocross championship victory coming up through the supercar class of, of, of British rallycross and now in RX2. All right, runner-up this year. Um, presumably, you want to put that right next year, have another year in RX2 and try and win the championship
2: yeah yeah I'd love to that's the aim um but like uh like I was struggling a bit with this year i uh i have to try and find sponsorship over the winter now to uh to be able to to get enough testing in and to be able to to find the money to be able to compete and um but yeah I definitely want to be out there again i want to i want to be the champion next year um I've got a year's experience in these cars now, so I'd like to think there's a good good chance it can happen
3: is it slightly frustrating Dan for you as a successful british motorsport competitor on an international in a world championship effectively all right this the second tier of the world championship that you're finding it so hard to get uh, to get coverage to get sponsorship i mean you know we all very happy that lewis hamiltons won another world championship but but that that's takes an, an awful lot of the of the focus and you know we've got plenty of British drivers doing well in in other forms of the sport. Uh, you being one of them, and is it a little frustrating that you that you can't get a, a little bit of the limelight shone on you?
2: Yeah, I guess it, it does. Uh, it, it is a bit frustrating, but I I know of so many other drivers in a, a similar situation to me, and it's a shame that obviously Formula One does tend to take the limelight mm. within UK motorsport. Um, but like you, like we've uh, been saying, rallycross is on the up. Uh, more and more people are aware of the of the sport, so I'm hoping now that I've got the the accolade of second in the world championship, it might help me get get the edge and and get a few more people interested over the winter. Now we'll just uh, we'll just have to see how it goes. Well,
3: you've just come back from the final round, which was in South Africa. Is that right?
2: Yeah, Cape Town, South Africa. Uh,
3: uh, how does how does the sport go down over there? Then I mean, we we think of of Europe. Primarily being the uh, being the heartland of rallycross, having been invented um, in the UK at Lydden Hill, um, it, it, it spread its wings over the last few years with the, the the growth of extreme sports and X Games type type competition, and that that certainly helped. How did
2: it go down in South Africa? Oh, it was probably one of the best receptions we've had all year. Um, it was the first time they've seen rallycross, and uh, I think they had a turnout of. 27,000 spectators which for a first event is wow. absolutely fantastic yeah and everyone was so enthusiastic you know everyone kept sort of thanking us for bringing the sport there and obviously <laughs> I'm not responsible for that but
5: <laughs>
2: yeah it was such a such a welcoming country and everyone was you know so enthusiastic I, I even had some people say to me that they'd followed me last year in the British series just from YouTube channels so uh there's obviously a big passion for the sport down there. It's just a shame that it's it's never been there before.
3: Now, I have seen recently a, um, a press release about a, a sort of a winter series in Scandinavia, which is RX2 on ice. Now, that sounds absolutely phenomenal. Are you going to be able to go and do that? Are you going to concentrate on, on the 2018
2: season? Uh, I would love to be able to, do, to go and do it. it sounds great, um, doesn't it? Yeah, it does sound amazing, and they've they've uh, they've been doing a, a couple of ice races for the last couple of years. But now they've they've uh, brought RX two into it as well. And um, yeah, it's it is really good for car control. You you obviously have to learn how to to transfer the weight balance of the car very delicately on ice. Um, but unfortunately, I'm I'm going to be focusing on 2018 through the winter now, so uh, I won't be able to to go and have a play. But I've I would love to. I'd absolutely love to.
3: <laughs> now, now, what about the lad who beat you in the championship? The Frenchman Cyril Raymond. Um, uh, you were sort of in between a Frenchman and a Belgian. Guillaume Derida was in uh, third position, but we did have an American in there uh, as well for the uh, the English speaking nations. What about these guys around you? How good has that competition been this year? It looked like Cyril had a pretty, a pretty stellar year, to be honest. Beat you by what forty points in the
2: end. Yeah, Cyril had a a very very strong year. Um, I believe it's Cyril's second mm. um, full year within the series. Um, but I was I was pleased to be able to get uh, one win against him, um, even if he he did get a puncture. Um, but yeah, all the guys, the quality, especially come now the end of the year, um, it's it's so high, and you'll be in you'll go out for your first practice run on a track, and everyone will be within. I think it will be like the top six will be within a tenth of each other. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's very, very high competition.
3: Well, listen, Dan. Congratulations on a fabulous first season in international competition in the RX two. Uh, international Series with Cooper Tyres. Um, there is a round in the UK. It was in May this year at Lydden Hill. And um, I haven't seen a confirmed calendar for next year, but I doubt there'll be too many changes. Keep an eye on that and make sure you go down and uh, wave the union flag for Dan Rook. And hopefully Dan will be talking to you this time next year and congratulating you on the RX2 Championship.
2: Yeah, with any luck, that would uh, that would be great, wouldn't
3: it? <laughs> keep up the good work, young man, and keep smiling. I know you've always got a smile on your face. Keep enjoying your motorsport, sir. Thank you so much.
4: And uh, next year's calendar, the British Round is at Silverstone, of course, making its uh, debut, debut on the Rally yeah. Cross uh, scene.
3: It's down off the line now. He is. Right, I, what I didn't want to say there was um, I asked him how he enjoyed south africa and how south africa um, responded to rallycross he, he, he didn't have the really best affairs.
4: mention uh, what happened to him in south africa did he he,
3: he was he did a, a Lawrence van Tour, didn't he except right at the start though right it's at the rest not
4: start. the end
3: yeah yes i don't there, think there is a video
4: available of that
3: <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure there is i um, might
4: put it on the collective
3: um, apologies for the uh, slightly difficult uh, quality on johan Kristoffersen's call but we thought you'd, you'd want to hear that I'm, I'm sure you deciphered most of it uh, fia world champion on midweek motorsport uh, this week and the runner-up in the rx2 category dan talking to us there as well it is midweek motorsport uh, it is series 12 episode 44 if i push up this feeder here i can say hello to marshall pruitt
8: you're speaking to another FI world champion here, world champion of absolutely nothing. <laughs> so it's very prestigious. I wanted to break that news here on Midweek Motorsport. Yet again, I am the least recognized of all, and I'm proud to uh, hold that award that doesn't exist in my hands. No, so.
3: uh, but it's a beautiful trophy. It's a beautiful virtual trophy that you have. Um, talking about trophies, somebody who knows a lot about trophies is going to be absent from the Ames of Paddock next year. I uh, I, I won't say I was surprised at this because I, I talked to Alex Job at the end of last season uh, at Petit Limbon. Uh, the, the, the news he, he told me then he didn't think he had anything for, for 2018. The news has come through today that in terms of professional racing, Alex Job Racing, AGR, will be uh, stepping away, although there's still some historic racing to be done. This is this is a team, and in Alex and with his, his late white ho- wife Holly, who we lost to a, a very aggressive form of, of cancer still relatively recently, we had two real enthusiasts for the sport, uh, formed in 1988, Alex was a bit of a driver in his time, and uh, they built up this business from their home in in Florida, and were in the inaugural season of the American Le Mans Series, poster team for the series series in some ways, Marshall.
8: Yeah, I I mean, I hate this news. I, I think anybody that loves sports car racing hates this news. And you can go back, you know, even further with um looking at Alex Joe racing entered Porsche 911s in, you know, at the Rolex 24 Daytona in the late 1980s. And I mean, he's just been a brick and mortar member of the American sports car paddock older than some of those who report and cover the series yeah. older than many who drive in the current weather tech championship. Uh, it's, it's been a bit of a year of that, though, Hind. A year or two of that, in general, at least over here. You know, you, we say goodbye to Jeff Gordon from NASCAR. We've recently said goodbye to Dale Earnhardt, Danica Patrick's hanging up her helmet, Elio Castro Neves bidding farewell to IndyCar, Juan Montoya a year, uh, you know, a year ago. Uh, I mean, this isn't sadness. Our, the, our friends are still alive, but there is a an undeniable changing of the guard. Both on the driver's side, and uh, we've recently had the Gainesco Bob Stallings team shut down. They'd been around for almost 20 years, so there's a, uh, there is a there is there are a lot of shots and a lot of pints that need to be consumed Great. Uh, before this year is out, because we are uh, unfortunately having to uh, say goodbye, but also adjust to our open wheel racing sports car racing and otherwise without some of our favorite names and friends I, i'm just i'm just going
3: to run through uh, one or two of the drivers that alex job has has brought to sports car racing uh, and you know particularly in the fact we supported years from from 2000 uh, randy popst uh, lucas Lur, sasha masson timo bernard York bergmeister uh, mark leib Roman Dumas, uh, with uh, Ian Bass, Darren Law, uh, I mean, just keep on coming. Marcel Thiemann drove for them as well, if I remember rightly. Butch Leitzinger, uh, Lee Keane, uh, I mean, they ran Townsend Bell and Bill Swedler, didn't they, as well? With that Lotus, I'd almost forgotten uh, about that. I wrote that down earlier and I'd still forgotten about it. In The battery tender car went over to the Rolex Sports Car Series in 2006 with Mike Rockenfeller and Patrick Long. Uh, took wins at Homestead and Virginia. That was overall wins, of course, because they were running in a Porsche-powered Daytona prototype, and, and then back in the United Sports Car Championship recently. Um, Alex is a man for me, for whom time spent with Alex Job is never time wasted. Marshall, he's a considered member of the paddock. He's a wise counsel and mentor, and I I will miss him dearly. I really will.
8: So finding the dear folks in any paddock, Heidi, where you see them and you just smile. Granted, mm. uh, you and I are probably used to many people grimacing when they see us, but regardless, um, thankfully you have Shay as the positive uh, <laughs> outreach part of the program that that's there. Right. But all kidding aside, Alex is just one of those guys where your face lights up because you know you are going to feel good about the world. He's going to tell you a funny story, a memorable story, and you're just going to appreciate that no matter how much passion we might have in our little world, either as a fan or a reporter or whatever it might be, this is one of those guys whose passion for the sport fuels it from the inside for those of us to feel in and around, for those of us who orbit the teams that make up Correct. these paddocks that create the races we love, Alex is one of those characters whose love has always been on display. We've always been able to feel it. So, again, it just, when I think of what we're losing, it isn't just a great guy who's won a million trophies. It's, uh, you know, we're losing a little bit of that heart of sports car racing. Flip side, hopefully we get some more new teams to come in. Well, wow. So that the next Alex Job can be developed.
3: Uh, it's a set of big shoes to fill, and I, and I hope that Alex will want to still come to the paddock because he'll be very welcome anytime he comes out. Now, we've got a lot to fit in in 15 minutes, so I'm going to rattle through uh, a few uh, topics here. Um, There's quite a lot to talk about, about IMSA and the regulations. I'm going to leave that to the end because I want to go through some driver news. First of all, if we don't get through all the IMSA stuff uh, this week, we'll do more on it next week when we've got a bit more time because it it deserves a bit of discussion. Um, A lot of driver announcements or movements going on at the moment. We talked about what might be happening at Acura with Michael Shank, or Michael Shank Racing, as it will become again as the work support has disappeared. Uh, Looks like Osnegri... And uh, uh, one or two others, Catherine Legg possibly as well, might be looking for a, for a job there as there seems to be two full cars for Michael Shank for next year that don't include uh, either of those two drivers.
8: So there's one completely done right now, Heidi, and they are working hard on the second, enough to, the, enough to where Michael said, you know, they, they absolutely intend to have two cars, so Mike tends to breathe uh, life into those uh, yeah. aspirations that he has. Uh, Correct on both Catherine and Oz, have spoken with both in the last 24 hours, helped Catherine with a few contacts to uh, some teams she's interested in, spoke with Oz as well, who uh, did the same there. Both silver drivers, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. I know Catherine is,
3: and I think Oz is on edge now.
8: I intentionally try not to memorize these things because they change and they're (laughs) stupid, Uh, but yeah, how is this? Catherine, a two-time winner in GTT, GTD this past season. Uh, we've seen her, obviously, her capabilities in open wheel and prototypes. And with Oz, who's just a perennial front runner and everything, uh, Rolex 24 winner, Juan Petit Le Mans with, uh, you know, overall, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, Oz at least said, hey, I'd like to stay in GT. I've never really done this before, but loved it, but would also love to get back to prototype, maybe in that more familiar role of his, of being the the rabbit, the leader, yeah. but also a coach and mentor. Uh, and that's something he's excellent at doing. Correct, uh, Ka- Catherine uh said she's interested in I mean granted she'd love to be you know driving in formula 1 but uh open to IMSA World Challenge uh, is is trying to talk to find something with whomever only quick little proviso here brother is we are at a point in time in the off season where you know as of November 22nd IMSA cars are going to be on track at Daytona for the BOP test here in two weeks or whatever it is. The roar is six, seven weeks away.
3: Don't remind so the new me.
8: season's almost here. So in terms of early in the off-season, lots of opportunities, that's where things could get hard for these two uh, esteemed members.
3: And for other members of the paddock, because it's not just those two. Um, the LA Auto Show coming up and one or two of the manufacturers um, making clear that they'll be announcing their drivers there and, and showcasing the IMSA cars, which is great for the series. I've seen some tweets from Joel Miller that might suggest to me that he's not part of the Mazda lineup. What's going on there?
8: Yeah, I've, I have, uh, have heard similar. Can't I haven't spoken with them, so I can't right. say whether that is accurate or inaccurate. But uh, I know I've, I'm fairly confident. I've put together. What Mazda's full lineup is going to be for next season, and at least for what I've come up with, I haven't seen his name uh, as fitting into that. Could be wrong. Uh, But at least for the names that I've come up with that I think could be announced here sometime soon, John Doonan, uh, manager of the Mazda team, I'm sorry. Program told me that uh, while the news won't be ready for the for Thanksgiving, uh, it will arrive before Santa. So that tells us it's on the <laughs> on the horizon. Here is a great line from John. Um, at least for who I believe is going to be confirmed in those cars, it is impressive. Okay, tr- truly impressive. And uh, there's another team which I can't really talk about uh whose lineup i believe i have sussed as well and that i think will be a v- prototype team that will be very interesting as well i and think that, i know who you uh,
3: might be talking about there, but i'm not going to say anything that's as as mr atherton always says and i'm guided by mr atherton who is uh a model of
8: diplomacy oh, oh don't it, don't uncork this one on us heinie. No, no Come it's, on.
3: it's not my announcement to make
8: Okay if you were going to say No 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 gonna, I wasn't uh, going to say the other thing I'm no
3: no it's not it's not our phone. announcement it's I'm not our sorry. announcement to make I, and, and and we we'll we'll give the people the respect uh, the respect that they they deserve um,
8: let me uh, let me just add this very quickly mm-hmm. and you are 100% correct I will just say that I am truly excited by some of the that news that is coming yes it I agree. seems to be imsa's greatest off season of awesomeness <laughs> and amazing things to come and this is even dating back to the final years of the miracle monster series in grand am where like there was a little bit here a little bit there this has just been a holy cow i can't wait to wake up and see what else is new type off season for imsa pretty amazing
3: uh, if, if we get time, we'll come back to, to IMSA. I just want a quick word. Um, Share mentioned earlier on about the ends of eras. It's been a bit of a bit of a theme tonight about the ends of eras. Ends of era for, for Danica Patrick in NASCAR, but coming back to IndyCar at, at least for a one-off.
8: Yeah, so that should be fun truly fun when she was last in IndyCar, uh i mean just a an absolute lightning rod for the fans and she left and her her fandom has only grown by you know uh, immeasurable amounts and it, it's cool to me just to see quickly hindy that she has earned enough money at whatever her exact age is i don't know but mid-30s let's say she's earned enough money and had enough success in her career as a professional to say I am doing two more races, Daytona 500 in February and the Indy 500, which essentially launched my major career. That is going to be my swan song. I want to go back to the place that means the most to me. Uh, We know and we had heard uh, while when she had announced this just about a week ago, that Chip Ganassi racing was the place that she was speaking with. I spoke with just about every other team, which said, not us, not us, not us. And, uh, my colleague, Robin Miller, uh, happened to get Chip on the phone and Chip did acknowledge that they are talking, talking doesn't mean contract done, but I can't see any other destination for her really being as viable as chips. So, uh, not done, but would be surprised if she is not teaming with Scott Dixon and Ed Jones.
3: Uh, end of an era for NBCSN and Formula One broadcasting in the U.S. We know that uh, also that it's the end of the, a couple of weekends. or last weekend was the end of the the Fox WEC broadcasts uh, and Le Mans broadcast. We spoke about that in last week's. Sure. Uh, this this weekend will be the final NBCSN SNF one broadcast for at least the foreseeable future. ESPN taking the world feed from next season, and an extraordinary statistic: that David Hobbs will be hanging up his headphones for live broadcasting. He reckons after uh, just a short career in the booth. How many years?
8: Forty-one. <laughs> right. I just spent about a half hour on the phone with uh, Dear David, and when he said that, I almost swallowed my tongue as I said, I don't want to make you feel old there, friend, but uh, I would have been six years old when you started broadcasting. So you've been been doing this almost as long as I've been alive. And he is understandably not so pleased at this change. Uh, I'll be writing about this uh, shortly on Racer, but he said, look, if this is one thing where uh, NBCSN was outbid, by ESPN and ESPN was putting together a much better product and that was those are the terms behind my uh, being retired I'd be okay with that he said the fact is he is not impressed by this essentially zero dollar transaction going on and the complete loss of an American-based, U.S.-based Formula One broadcast team yeah. studio effort. It's, all, it's report, all down, I mean, we, both we, shows.
3: as we spoke about this, it's all down to digital rights. This is Liberty taking the digital rights back. NBCSN um, were effectively bidding to hold on to the digital rights as well as the broadcast rights. Uh, Liberty didn't want that to happen NBC weren't happy just to pay for the broadcast rights, and therefore they've given it to ESPN who are at the moment not putting anything behind it in terms of resources, it will be the international feed, it'll come on five minutes before, there'll be no pre or post show uh, until Liberty start producing their own I'm sure, which is the longer term uh, side of things, it remains to be seen I mean ESPN's a heavy hitter in the uh, US sports broadcasting uh, marketplace, but it depends how they promote it, uh, it as, as far as I can see. However, can't take away from the fact that David Hobbs has been a staple, David Hobbs has been a staple uh, of Formula One coverage. You know, he, did, uh, Matchett, Steve Matchett, and Bob Varsha, and, and more latterly with Lee Diffie on lead comms. I mean, that's something that i've looked forward to in the states when i've been over there to be able to watch those guys uh, doing the grand prix stuff
8: david's voice i think for those in north america that happen to have listened to him for those 41 years is just permanently embedded mm. uh who else is going to use the term clag with such eloquence when we're referring to a track littered with tire yep. material uh I, look all I can tell you is this, David, I just a gem of a human being, uh, one of the many great honors in my n- recent new professional career is spending time in the broadcast booth with David and uh, Bob Varsha at the Rolex 24 and getting, you know, being allowed. Some foolish person let me talk words into a microphone during the broadcast with these <laughs> two giants. And uh, yeah, again, I just love the guy hate that we are lo- what we're losing it's great to know quickly that uh Diffie who does many things for NBCSN, NBCSN from IndyCar to the Olympics he'll he'll remain I've heard that Steve Matchett uh, could be doing some additional things maybe some automotive related stuff uh, shows for them but Will Buxton's looking for a job and again Habo who has his car dealerships and you know he's 78 years old we spoke while he was sitting outside at his home in Vero Beach one of his homes in Vero Beach Florida so just you would always love to see the the folks that you love go out on their own terms sad that this won't be the case for David but uh, fortunately we'll still have him around to enjoy in uh, in person at least
3: be the worst thing to have him back in sports cars which uh, I know is is well, one I... of his
8: loves I might have suggested that. I might have suggested
3: that. <laughs> uh, no time to talk through the vagaries of the uh, the changes for next year's IMSA uh, championship regulations. Um, I'll... Nor
8: should we, brother. Nor should we. Just let's have people can ease into the weekend with peace. You don't need to hear silly minutiae. We'll, why don't we do that next week?
3: I, I think we'll do that next week. What you got planned for Thanksgiving, MP? with uh, Day with the, the good lady in the family?
8: we are going to be lazy, (laughs) B-A-S-T-A-R-D-S, and I am planning to do nothing but consume food. I don't know if you've seen me before. I am a fan of food and to watch American football and uh, not go into my office. So that's going to be all kinds of awesome, although I do have a couple little podcasts I'm probably going to put up on Friday just to give some folks a little bit of things, some things to listen to uh, during the American holiday. Okay. So,
3: congratulations on, on who, who the hell are you. It's gone down very, very well indeed. And uh, I, I just listened to the Catherine Leg one and I, I very, very funny. Very, very funny indeed. MP, uh, best to you and yours for Thanksgiving. Uh, not not a holiday that, that we recognise here, but um, please enjoy it. We know it's one of your important ones. So to you and all of our uh, American uh, fans, listeners and friends, please enjoy it tomorrow. Have a good one. Over consume, watch... Eat too much food. Watch too much TV. Do do it the American way.
8: I will be drooling on the couch by <laughs> noon.
3: Thank you. Uh, That's great stuff, Marshall Pruitt. I'll be watching the American football uh, tomorrow evening. It's Ashes Cricket tonight, though, from midnight UK time, uh, which is going to be taking up some of my time. Uh, I'll point you in the direction of a couple of things. Tomorrow, for those of you in the US on day off, uh, three o'clock Eastern time, it's the Tora radio show this week. uh, And plenty going on. Uh, round up from the genetic cars super tro- uh, super cup and a great uh, track test uh, from the guys at Tora on Thursday. Uh, that's on Thursday at the clock on RS1. On Friday, RS1 uh, is the ELMS review on RS2. Uh, OK, I'm now very confused. Uh, the, uh, You're reading sorry. this wrongly. Yeah, I've, I've just realised that. Tora tomorrow, 8pm, RS1. That's 3 o'clock in the afternoon if you're on the East Coast. RS2 tomorrow night is the IMSA review. Oh, my God, i better start swatting up with that. Um, uh, we haven't got Marshall tomorrow because he's on holiday. So can we have a uh, chair? Yes. yes. Right, 9 o'clock on RS2. So 8pm, RS1 uh, for Tora, and then straight on RS2 for the IMSA review. That's IMSA radio. ELMS review Friday, RS1 again, 8 o'clock UK time. Do... You know how it works now. Go to RadioLamond.com. The schedule is worked out for you. Uh, A packed show tonight. We couldn't have squeezed any more in unless we'd had a shoehorn and some liquid soap. Thank you to Tim Gray up in London. We'll do it all again next week. No, uh, Nick Damon, he was on a plane tonight, but there's no time to explain because the llama is gone cricket crazy and is padding up even as we speak. Good night.